0: The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood.
1: All right, welcome to the Colorado Equals Security Newscast for the week of April 3rd. Uh, This is Rob Reck. And this is Alex Wood. And we are coming to you not live from the studio in my basement. Uh, Alex, how's your week
0: been? you know, it was pretty good. Uh, took a little extra time off this weekend. Um, did some, some touring and, uh, drinking downtown on Friday, um, with some family and friends and then didn't have kids athletic activities on Saturday because of weather. Yeah. The weather kind of changed things a little bit. Uh, this weekend I I was fortunate
1: on Friday evening, I got to do a volleyball tournament and I played from, uh, about six o'clock till almost midnight. So six hours of, 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 fun. Um, Good, good way to get some sweat out and, and enjoy the, the cold weather. Sounds like you got your money's worth. I did. And uh, yesterday, got to go see the, the new movie Boss Baby with my seven-year-old. Ooh. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. Really...
0: Uh, my wife was trying to convince me to go see Beauty and the Beast, uh-huh. and uh, I think she's going to take the kids, and I'm doing this instead. Congratulations.
1: Uh, well, good. Why don't we go ahead and jump into the news, uh, start looking at what we got today. Uh, the first news story for us today is that Owl... The uh, local security company, Owl, has added a couple of advisors to their board, advisory board.
0: Yeah, and um, I don't know if um, if they are still technically One World Labs or not, or if they have, you know, like KFC shortened it to, <laughs> to, to just Owl. Um, but, you know, they've been around in Denver for a long time, some ebbs and flows. They've had yeah. some personnel changes and sort of that sort of thing. But, um, you know, they are big into the, the darknet intelligence. So they have a, a giant database of things from the, the dark web that, that you can... You know, search and, and hopefully find intelligence from.
1: Well, you know, their big big story for them was it was it last year or was it even two years ago now when uh-huh. Chris Roberts, who was the founder of Owl, um, you know, he had the big airplane hacking uh, fiasco that ended up. You know, the FBI reached out to Owl and somehow he ended up getting kind of pushed out of the company and and I think at the time they went bankrupt and uh, and a lot of the folks left at that point.
0: I'm sure Chris appreciates us bringing that up one more time.
1: Well, he, I'm, I'm not sure Chris is listening, but hi, Chris, if so. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think they've reformed really as a new company. So I'm not sure how that's changed. Apparently they still have their dark, their dark net Intel uh, tool, which was, uh, you know, a big piece of uh, intellectual property that they had created.
0: Yeah. I, I've heard the tool is very good. Um, I've seen a demo at one time or another, but I haven't used it personally, but you yeah. know, that that's a, um, a big area. For for people that are, are interested in trying to find intelligence about your company, yeah.
1: well, anyway, interesting. It's nice to see that they're uh, they're recovering or, or rebuilding. Um, hopefully, we'll hear more from them going in the future. Here, uh, CyberGRX. I don't think we've talked about them on the show, have we? I think oh, just slightly. Just you know, we had a
0: couple job posts from yeah. them uh, in the past couple weeks, but besides that, not a whole lot. Yeah,
1: we do have a, a a news story this week where it's a really a press release as they're looking to go live with their product. Um, so, you know, just to kind of summarize what they do, they are a, a third-party risk company uh, they really looked to try and change the way we do third-party risk though. Um, so instead of, you know, customers sending questionnaires to vendors and, and vendors having to fill those out or the traditional, uh, you know, a vendor does a SOC two or an ISO audit and hands the, those certifications or those audits to customers, uh, CyberGRX is trying to be that platform in the middle where enterprises request a assessment of, a vendor. So, you know, one of Ping's customers it might send one to, to Ping and say, hey, we want, or tell CyberGRX, hey, we want a Ping assessment. And then CyberGRX reaches out to Ping to, to try and get the, them to do the assessment um, for free for Ping. It really puts the, the cost back on the, on the, backs of the enterprises who are doing it so you know those large enterprises you know someone who you know large healthcare provider who has thousands of vendors um, can have this one platform where they make their requests to get that access and as the platform grows it scales and you know that the vendors assessment would be available to any enterprise that wants to use it for a reasonable cost
0: right and you know one of the traditional problems with third-party assessments is that you know on either end you're getting hammered with requests all the time either you're making requests from a lot of people or if you know if you're a service provider you're getting tons and tons of requests uh for these assessments so uh you know if there's a central platform like this you can do the the assessment once and then use it over and over again you know share the data so that you don't have to have you know a team of people dedicated to filling out questionnaires and and providing the due diligence back to people So we've been in talks with their CEO to,
1: to get him on the show and, and do a feature interview with him, have him come talk more about it. But in the meantime, I've, I've talked to a few folks over there to understand the the platform. Uh, they're, they do three different levels of assessment. They have the kind of the tier three or the lowest um, scrutiny, which is kind of kind of like filling out a, a SIG light, you know, going through a, a hundred questions or whatever. I think they said 85 questions and and given that level of info, then there's the tier two, which is a whole lot more in depth, getting you know more like a thousand questions, and then their tier one, which is the on site. Um, the, they put it as you know significantly more robust than a, a SOC two, giving a high level of assurance of, of the risk of that vendor.
0: Yeah. I think it's a really great idea, and um, I think it could be beneficial if it catches on. Yeah, the the big question is, of course, can they get
1: critical mass. To, to drive vendors to want to say yes and to drive enterprises to, to be willing to, to sign up. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. And that's that their headquarters is downtown Denver. Um, they have a lot, a lot of good folks involved. Blackstone um, has, is a big bankroll for them. And, and Optiv was involved re- really early on with the creation of the company.
0: The, uh, the next story we have is around the Cyber Patriot competition. Yeah. So uh, this reminds me a bit of the, the CCDC competitions right. that we've talked about in the past. Um, this is, I think, aimed at a, a slightly younger group of people. So, yeah. um, specifically in the, the high school division, the Highlands Ranch high school has a team that has made it to the national finals, which are happening, um, Monday, yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday this week. So the yeah. third through the fifth.
1: So it's, it's great. This, this week, the, all the kids from all these high schools around the country, uh, the top, what is it about? looks like about top 15 or so from each division and there's two divisions get to meet in DC and, uh and compete with each other. And like you said, Highlands Ranch made the, made the list for, for the open division, which is kind of any, any school. And then also they have a, a public, what do they call it? A, an a, all service all division, service, Yeah. Which is, you know, mostly military, uh, schools and, and we Colorado Springs has a school going, which is, uh, what the Colorado Springs cadet squadron nicknamed Wolfpack. Ow.
0: I was going to let you do that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's all me. Um, Anyway, so congratulations to the kids from Highlands Ranch High School, uh, which is the uh, the Falcon Transfer Protocol (FTP). That's their nickname.
0: Nice, nice, very and, clever.
1: And, and congratulations to the kids from the Colorado Springs Cadet Squadron, uh, making it out there. Would love to hear how it goes, and look forward to reporting on that next week.
0: Yeah, and i I think that's really the the biggest pieces of the news we have this week. But we did want to talk a little bit about some website enhancements that we've been doing. Um, I, you know, really, when we went live with this project, we uh, we sort of subscribe to the, the minimum viable product right. uh, philosophy, just getting something out there. So you, you may have noticed that the, the website wasn't the prettiest. It didn't have everything that, that we wanted on it, but we're, we're growing it slowly. So uh, we've changed the look a little bit. We've added our uh, Twitter feed to the front page. Um, we've changed up the the event page a little bit, so it's now a calendar view. Uh, and we're going to continue to do enhancements yeah. like that. But if, if there are any things that you'd like to see on the website, you know obviously send us feedback info at colorado-security.com and we'll we'll get on that
1: yeah we we also have added a few more companies to the the Colorado security companies page I think we're up at like 25 or something now there's there's a lot of companies here in town we don't have all the info for all of them some of them don't you know are don't have a lot on their websites yet but we're trying to give you a centralized place uh, to come find everything and really what's the vision for the website is if you want to know what's going on in, in Colorado security in the next week or month, you go to our events page it's all there if you want to understand what are the key companies in town you go to the the companies page and everything should be there you're you're trying to get involved with a, a professional association that you want to you want to start getting you know volunteering with or attending go to our organizations page and you you should see them all there um, really we're trying to give you one central place to learn what's happening here in
0: the Colorado security community the hub for information security yeah, in Colorado it. absolutely and, uh, and finally um we don't have a whole lot of uh, ISC news this week, but uh, we did want to announce that we've filled out the, the CISO panel that we'll be having uh, yeah. Thursday, um, I think it's 11. Yeah, about 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm going to be moderating the panel. This is, uh, the, this is our third year
1: doing the Colorado CISO panel at the
0: conference. Exactly. Uh, always extremely interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh the, the folks that'll be attending the panel uh, besides myself uh Rob of course will be on the panel. Um we have uh Sarah Griffith from uh, Euronet, John Everson from uh Dishy Dish Sling. Um we've got uh Dale Drew from Level 3. Um and uh Nancy Thompson from Data Vale. Nancy Phillips. Oh, uh, I always do that. Uh, Congratulations, uh, Nancy. Yes. It's been several years since Nancy's been married, but I still have to say Nancy Thompson for some reason.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to your moderation on that as well. All right. Why don't we go ahead and jump into the events? Uh, this week, there's a few events happening on the 5th at SecureSet. They have an all about Bitcoin session. Uh, honestly, that, that sounds pretty interesting to me. I, I'd like to be able to make it. It's the evening of the 5th, which is what? Thursday? Wednesday,
0: uh, Wednesday. Uh, yes. Um, th- I wonder if they're going to be talking about, um, you know, cryptocurrency in general or, you know, the, the, the concepts behind it or if it's specifically Bitcoin. But yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. Well,
1: I would assume you know, and I've, I've got to learn quite a bit about uh, distributed trust over the last mo- year or so at Ping. I would assume that you ha- they have to give some fundamental understanding of what a distributed ledger is, distributed ledger technology is. Um, and then they'll be able to dive into how bit- Bitcoin
0: does it specifically and, um, and with how that technology works. Uh, next on the sixth CTA has a diversity and inclusive leadership happy hour, uh, with a panel discussion. Um, so that's at the, um, is that at the Vale center or is that in with the Vale center? I think it's with the Vale center.
1: Uh, well, we'll have the, the info in the events page. You guys take a look, but that is uh, Thursday night. If you want to go ha- m- mingle with some folks, and maybe talk about diversity and inclusion. Uh, and then on, thir- on Saturday, we have uh, the second of the Colorado Springs ISSA's Security Plus training seminars. So if you made it you know, to, to the last Saturday on the 1st, definitely make sure you go on the 8th. And, and I think if you didn't get to make it to the one on the 1st, you should look to June, where they have another set of two of these trainings coming up.
0: Yeah, I wonder uh, if, if we know any specific people that are at those trainings. It'd be good to get feedback for, for people that might be interested for the June one.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll try and reach out and figure that out because I, I, bet I, I know we we have a couple of folks who went down there for it. Uh, a couple other events coming up that are not in the next week that were just added to the calendar that we thought we want to call out specifically because they're interesting and different. Uh, number one is that CTA has a growth series, and the, this next session is called "The Quest for Colorado's Next One Billion Dollar Exit." So really, how do you build a a startup that scales and grows and and gets to that one billion dollar exit? It's been a little while since we've had one in Colorado. And that's on the twelfth of April,
0: and then on the thirteenth uh, at Secureset, uh, Chris Peterson, who's the CTO for logarithm is going to be talking on uh, threat lifecycle management. So that should be interesting as well.
1: Yeah, Chris is not just the C- the CTO; he's also the founder of Logrhythm, one of the two founders. Um, and really interesting guy. Uh, I'd say if you have an opportunity to go listen to him, highly recommend it. Uh, and a couple other you know big events coming up is the Women in Security. Uh, issa group that's going to be meeting at secure set on April 19th gotta tell you it's it's been amazing the turnout we've already got for registration it's over 90 people I think it's like 95 last I looked uh, a lot Very of folks exciting. coming so ho- hopefully you know if if you're a woman in security or you're wondering how you can better support women in security this would be a good ch- time for you to to come and, and get involved uh, RMISC, once again registration is still open we still have happy uh, excuse me early bird until April 15th um, so get signed up for that.
0: And that of course, again, is May 9th through 11th. Yep,
1: thank you. B Besides right after that, the 12th and the 13th, uh, of, of May, um, registration for that is open. I am not positive. I, I just said that, but I'm not sure that's true. I'll, well, it'll, it'll be uh, on the event page here as well.
0: Um, all right. Well, oh, and there's a couple others we wanted to mention, right? Yeah. Two, two added in June. Yeah. Not till June, but, um, every year ISC squared has an event here in Denver. Uh, they sort of travel around the country, uh, providing some, some content. So their secure Denver is on the 16th. Um, there is a small fee. I think it's around a hundred dollars for that. Um, but it's, uh, related to, to cloud and and moving to the cloud and and doing that securely. Um, and then the other one is on June 20th. So Optiv, um, they do their, uh, enterprise security solution summit. Uh, this is, you know, working with their partners, talking about, um, potential solutions and technologies and, and all that sort of thing.
1: So I, I just confirmed that besides, apparently you don't even need to register this year. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It, it's, there's no pre-registration. If you want a free badge, uh, you can they do have a donor drive. And if you donate some money, you, you're guaranteed a badge and, uh, and you can just, you, you can show up whenever, but if you want to come in for free, you can come in for free and uh, just make sure you get there early in the day. Otherwise it's probably going to fill up. Very nice. All right. Um, so that's, I think, it for events. We'll go into the jobs for this week. The uh, focus of jobs this week, we have a few here in Denver and Boulder, but we really tried to look a little bit broader in Colorado. And we found some jobs in the Springs and some jobs up in Fort Collins and Greeley, uh, trying to get a little bit more exposure for those of us who are not sitting right in the middle of the Denver
0: metro area. So first on the list, Logarithm, uh, They have a data scientist for advanced analytics you know they're they're doing some really cool stuff around analytics, yeah. and their product. So that that could be an interesting position.
1: Yeah, I, I it's not a security specific skill set, but it's going to be really contributing to the security um, offerings that they have at Logarithm. So it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Protegrity, which is a, a professional services company here in Denver, is hiring a solutions architect with a focus on enterprise data security.
0: Western Union has a senior info security analyst.
1: Uh, Ball Corporation. Is hiring an info security information security intern, and I believe that this is Ball Corp, not Ball Aerospace. Um, just just for clarity.
0: Uh, we're going to move outside a little bit. So in Greeley, uh, Flood and Peterson they are hiring a director of IT and security architecture. That yeah, sounds like interesting. Pretty
1: interesting role there up in Greeley. I'm not sure not sure how many of those there are up there, so it might be an interesting one for folks in the area. Fort Collins uh, at Bell Integrator is hiring an IP networking and security team lead
0: uh, down in Colorado Springs. Uh, K Force Government Solutions uh, they're looking for a cybersecurity officer.
1: And then also in the Springs, Booz Allen Hamilton has they have a lot of jobs. Um, I, I maybe a couple dozen jobs in the Springs that they're hiring. I focused on four here. If you look at the show notes, uh, there's a, a, a junior level, a mid level, a senior, and a manager level. So really the whole gamut. Um, of experience levels for security positions in the springs with Booz Allen Hamilton.
0: Yeah, and SecureSet we've talked about them a number of times. Um, and we also mentioned that they opened their new campus down in Colorado Springs and so they're looking for a cybersecurity technical instructor to teach down there.
1: Yeah, you know, I I would assume that this is not a full-time role and Maybe Alex can send us a note. Alex Kryline can send us a note if, if I'm wrong. But this is probably something that you could do in addition to your other job if you've been looking to get into instruction. Um, I, it seems like a really cool opportunity.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then finally, down in Colorado Springs, Route 9B, another company we've talked about, uh, they're looking for a service delivery lead.
1: Yeah. Uh, and a good opportunity to get in with you know the number one on the cybersecurity 500 list. Number right? one. Uh, well, that, that takes us to the end of the formal agenda here. I did want to mention, thanks so much to those who completed our listener survey. Uh, we, we've got a lot of good data out of that. And I'll tell you what, what you guys said, kind of the feedback we received was uh, keep doing everything we're doing. Don't stop doing the news or the, or the events or the jobs um, and, 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 and keep doing the feature interviews and try and get some more. So we're going to try and pull in some more some more detail on the news in the area, some more detail on the events. Um, that's going to probably make it run a little bit longer. Um, so, you know, give feedback if you guys disagree, but that's, that's what we've heard. Um, but we also had asked the question of, do, do folks prefer to have the newscast and the feature interview combined into one episode, or should we separate those into two? Uh, and the overwhelming feedback was to keep it as one. So that's how we're planning to go for now.
0: But of course, again, if you have any other feedback, uh, positive or negative on the podcast, the website, anything else that we're doing, uh, please send that to info at colorado-security.com.
1: All right. Well, with that, we'll, we'll call it a day. Everyone have a great week and we'll look forward to talking to you next week.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Right.
1: This is Carlin Dornbush, CISO at Think Tank. This is a Colorado equals security. For Colorado, security professionals by Colorado Security Professionals. All right. This is Rob Reck. I'm sitting with Scott Chasen. Uh, Scott, you know, uh, thanks for having me in. We're, we're in your headquarters here in downtown Denver, uh, sitting in a nicely acoustic room, hopefully, so hopefully we don't get too much echo. Um, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself uh, for the listeners?
2: Sure, i um, Scott Chasen, uh, co-founder CEO of ProtectWise. Um, ProtectWise is almost a four-year-old uh, security startup, uh, if we can still say we're a startup, uh, based in Denver, uh, we've got 85 employees, uh, we've raised 67 million in the last three uh, three years to yeah. bring a pretty disruptive platform to the market. Yeah. Uh, I'm no stranger to security. Uh, this is my fourth venture uh, in security, um, you know. So I, I go back to uh, the early 90s. Yeah.
1: So let's, yeah. let's kind of start off. You know, four years ago with Protectwise here in Denver. Yeah. Um, how did, how did you go, how did you come up with the idea for the company and, and then let's talk about what that idea is. Sure,
2: yeah. You know, um, I, I guess with, 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 in my career, I should say, uh, my DNA is all about how to deliver security as a service, um, how to deliver it as a utility. And, you know, my last venture, MX Logic, uh, was was quite successful in delivering email security as a utility model. And uh, we were acquired by McAfee, and I became a CTO at McAfee uh, for several years. And that gave me a, an interesting perspective on just how fragmented the enterprise security architecture was. Um, and after I left McAfee, I spent a lot of time thinking about that uh, in terms of you know how can I take a utility model and start to really absorb all that point product fragmentation. And you know I looked at that in in conjunction with you know, how the attack surface was forming and the environment um, uh, that all of these, these threats were, were propagating. And I looked at, you know, from a time perspective, time was kind of a missing element. Meaning, um, you know, whether you're talking about visibility or you're talking about detection, time was something that was missing, um, you know, from a visibility perspective, Uh, log files and the output of all these point products were fairly myopic um, in terms of retention or the fidelity of the data. Uh, And I thought that we could do a a better job with that. Uh, On the detection side, you know, I I thought that having security focused on real-time detection only was kind of a mistake. Uh, And again, if, if you had a time, you know, you know, temporal dimension to that, you get some really interesting look back capabilities. So we looked at that. um, And really, I I was, you know, after I left McAfee, um, I spent, um, you know, a year trying to learn the game of golf, which didn't go that well. (laughs) And uh, um, it turned out that I, I started to feel like I was becoming irrelevant. And, um, can, can I ask you one question about
1: yeah. the, the MX logic? Did you work with Sam sure. Massiello? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So Sam, Sam's a good friend, right yeah. now, uh, yeah. currently the CISO down at Teletech. Yep. Um, obviously gone very well. That's, that's pretty cool. It's a, it yeah. is a small world here. Right? I love
2: Sam. Yeah. I mean, Sam, Sam's a great guy and, uh, um, he's done amazing things in his career. And, you know, um, when I, when I hired Sam, uh, he came in as, as a software engineer and, uh, then we developed our SOC and he ran our SOC and you know look what uh, look what he's done in his career So a good I'm, hire for sure. I'm, I'm really really excited about what Sam has done and where he's going. Yeah, yeah. You know. Sorry about that. No, 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 no The, the
1: little the little uh, link all of a sudden.
2: Listen, it's a, yeah. it is a it's a small world right uh, and in Denver, you know uh, Even smaller for security, sure. but but growing uh, so uh, to go back to the question, you know the, the concept you know, really hit me. Um, this might sound a little corny, but it actually it, because I was grinding on it so much, it hit me in a dream, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually, you know, saw the product in my head and kind of built it in my head. And I woke up, and the first person I called was uh, my co-founder and CTO, Gene Stevens, who um, uh, I worked with at MXLogic And Gene is just a, an amazing, you know, data scale, uh, you know, engineer and um, I said, Gene, you know, I, I think I have something here. And he was at McAfee at the time. And um, I, I said, I, "I, what do you think of this? Do you think you can build it? And he goes, I think I can build this. Mm. And so uh, the concept, uh, very simply, uh, was how do we build a memory for the network? Um, and that was a, a, a bold thought because it kind of, no one's ever thought of that before or expressed that before, a memory for a network. And you know, from a security context, um, that does a couple of things. One, it, it does introduce a, a temporal, you know, element to how security is managed, both from a visibility perspective, right, yeah. uh, and then also from a detection perspective. Uh, and so um, that concept, you know, really became what is our platform today.
1: So, so how does the idea of a memory for the network differ from you know, a log repository? Yeah. And so I, yeah. That's so that's obviously it's, what you'd be.
2: Yeah, so it's the resolution of the data. Um, so we look at it in terms of um, you know, if you can record everything, uh, not just when somebody opened a door or closed a door, which is you know, what a log right. would, would introduce, uh, but if you could record everything um, with the fidelity of full packet, um, and you could store it for a really long period of time, that resolution uh, is, is, is really, really powerful in a forensic response. Uh, and so, if you look at you know the one of the biggest problems we have uh, forensically is that these attacks develop over long periods of time, especially the the targeted ones that are very sophisticated. And so having a retention window that could exceed uh, or at least meet that of the breach detection window, we thought could be really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the ability to search all of that data at scale, we thought could be really powerful. So, um, you know, Part of the, the challenge that we saw with the existing um, enterprise security architecture was, again, this point product fragmentation where you had all of these you know point products, maybe 50 to 100 depending on your organizational size, spitting out log files uh, that were based off of the detection capability or the capability of those po- point products. Um, and then you had the birth of the SIM, which obviously tried to correlate all of that or glue it together. So that you could have, you know, perhaps a detection engine that could feed off of those log files, or perhaps, um, you know, uh, an ability to search all those log files. And we said, well, that's not, that's not enough. You know, in a world where people say there's too much data uh, in security, you know, our theme is there's not enough. Mm. Uh, and the reality is is that, you know, the model for security within the enterprise has been this appliance-based, put it on-prem, you know. And, and manage it through backhauls or you know centralization in, in your own data center. Well, that's, that's in our view, kind of broken. Uh, you need to have the resolution of uh, not only full packet capture, but as much data as you can. Uh, and it needs to be searchable, and you need to have a presentation layer on top of that that can be expressed in a number of ways that creates a really efficient response and obviously enables proactive analysis. So we looked at all of this, and we said, you know, if we can start with the network as our foundation and record everything, good and bad traffic, right? Um, that could be, um, you know, our true north. You know, once we have a, a recording of the network on any network segment, um, you know, and the only way to really record that we thought would be to put it in the cloud, right? So the only way we could get a retention window that you know could meet or exceed that of the breach detection window is to put it in the cloud. So we said, well, let's figure out a way to do packet capture um, on premise, but compress and optimize what we see locally and stream it in near real time to this cloud platform. That way we could, um, you know, store it, you know, for a really long period of time and then index it so it could be searched. But we said, aha, if those packets are coming into our cloud platform in near real time, well, why don't we run them through real time security analytics? right? Mm -hmm. Like intrusion detection and malware detection, exfiltration detection, right? Uh, Behavior anomaly detection. We could put machine classifiers on it. And so that's what we did. And and so we built, the first thing we did was um, we built a very lightweight um, software sensor, sensor, you know, virtual appliance that is responsible for doing that local packet capture. Because we knew the first problem we'd have to solve was how do we optimize, you know, all that bandwidth that we're seeing locally and compress it down so that we could stream it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of the first uh, um, hires that we brought on from an engineering perspective uh, was one of the contributors to uh, um, uh, the libpcap in the, in the, the Linux um, um, mm-hmm. uh, environment, and he uh, is still with us today, I won't name his name, uh, but uh, amazing architect as far as, you know, doing, doing packet capture at scale. Uh, and we figured out a way over two years of stealth R&D to optimize what we see locally at by up to 80%, mm. so that this kind of model could work over, you know, commodity internet. Right. Um, and you know that's really kind of the, some of the secret sauce, the, the IP that that allows this to happen. But we said, okay, well, once we get those packets to this cloud platform, what are we going to do with it? Well, you know, let's start to you know, provide real-time detection. Uh, And because we're storing them, uh, let's then do something that no one's done before, which is let's go back in time continuously. Let's leverage not only the elasticity of storage within the cloud, but the elasticity of processing power to continuously process what we have stored. And so as new zero days come out, you know, let's automatically go back in time and and create a a retrospection model to replay what was stored. So
1: basically what you're saying is, you know, January 1st, a bad thing happens. We had no signatures. We had no way to know that that was bad. And April 15th, you figure out, this, you identify this bad thing. Now you're going back through right. all year, and you said, "Oh, look at that! You know, yeah, three, three, four months ago, something bad here happened. That's We're right. Going to generate. It yeah,
2: way. it's a, it's a model that, um, we, we, so it's a model that we actually borrowed from the International Olympic Committee. And so the IOC has been testing athletes uh, when <laughs> they, 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 they keep the urine. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, they do. So, so, do so, so they've been testing athletes, you know, for the last decade plus uh, for obviously performance enhancing drugs. And when they get new signatures of masking agents they couldn't test for historically, yeah. they go back and they huh. retest those samples. You, you've probably seen in the news some some yeah. some, some athletes have been disqualified from previous uh, That's medals. Uh, you know, that idea we thought was very valid in cybersecurity. And so, again, cybersecurity is real-time today. You know, is this email good or bad? Is this file good or bad? Is this packet good or bad? Yet everything that has happened in security that's interesting from a threat perspective has already happened.
1: But, yeah, I would almost already, I'd almost prefer to know about the one that happened a few months ago because they might have done a lot of stuff in the last few months, Well, again, going back to my previous
2: statement, which is, you know, these attacks don't happen instantaneously they develop over long periods of time and the reality is is that you know we don't we don't go back in time we don't look back Uh, but we should because we don't know um you know today's innocuous you know connection uh you know tomorrow based off of future intelligence could be malicious and that's a that's something that you know we've seen time and time again and it's something we thought you know if we if we Created a memory for the network, we could solve that. Yeah. You know, we could create not only pervasive visibility, um, you know, with this sensor that acts like a virtual camera that records everything, but also this differentiated detection model.
1: So there's a lot of threads here that I want to pull. Sure, yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to decide which one to pull first. I think, you know, the market, the market you've been going after here, the yeah. way, the way you position this, um, really sounds like. A blue ocean strategy, where we're trying to go into a space where people yeah. haven't really targeted previously. Yeah, um, you know, versus a red ocean, where of course there's a, a feeding frenzy, lots of competitors. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's, it, but it also kind of seems like it gets into the area where Sim is playing. Um, there's some other some other areas as yeah. well. You know, as you created this company, obviously yeah. you're looking to looking for an opportunity that you can grow and and, and you yeah. know find a nice market for. Um, how did you think about that? That question of well, Who's listen, I,
2: I, you know, so I've been doing this a long time and um, it, it's it's hard to introduce a new category um, and um, be successful if you can't displace something that's already there. I mean, in, in, especially in, in in a marketplace like cybersecurity where you've got, you know, um, a gazillion vendors out there and, you know, a CISO is... Constantly being, you know, targeted by the vendor community with the same messaging, and so um, th- th- this was certainly part of our design process in the early days, which was, you know, we wanted um, a, a go-to-market and a, a model for our platform that was additive, meaning for a lean-in um, CISO or, or sophisticated organization that needed, uh, you know this kind of visibility, they could add it to their existing stack. But, you know, we also saw uh, a big opportunity in displacing uh, a legacy market. And so precisely, um, you know, we developed our our platform to go after kind of those legacy appliance network traffic recording solutions mm-hmm. like RSA NetWitness sure. um, um, in Solera, which are, you know, <laughs> Fifteen plus years old, um, very myopic, and uh, you know they, they, they um, you know aren't built on that modern stack, right? You gotta yeah. you gotta buy all that iron, and you've got to manage it yourself, and it's they're very hard to distribute. And so we said, well, that's a big market. I mean, that's a that's a a, a, a market that you know uh, three hundred plus million that you know, we could disrupt with that traditional kind of cloud disruption right. opportunity. And so we did that. And that's and mostly
1: enterprises in that market. That's right? large
2: enterprise, right? And and what we learned uh, was, um, you know, fairly early, you know, if I go back to some of the research that we did, you know, three years ago, uh, was there was such a, a pent up demand for visibility and that the visibility that those legacy solutions offered um, was not only myopic, but it was a luxury item. It was so expensive because you had to build all that big iron and the the storage and the sands, right? And so, you know, we said, "Well, this is this is interesting. Now we can we can build this as an additive solution, but we can also target it very specifically to this legacy opportunity of you know of a market that yeah. that we can displace." And so we said, "Well, what else fits that criteria?" And one of the things that we did, which was you know geared towards our go to market, uh, was we built uh, an intrusion detection engine inside of our product, uh, and we said, "We, th- you know, IDS is kind of in that same vein. I mean, the IDS is, um, you know, it's another appliance. It refreshes every two to three years. It's not contributing a lot of value uh, mm-hmm. on premise. What if we virtualize that and put it inside you know, of- a feature of- Exactly right. And so we yeah. did that, and that created another opportunity. Uh, of displacement and I think it really highlights you know exactly what we're trying to do here which is this is a platform play where a lot of that fragmented point product mess that the enterprise has embraced over the last 15 years in their security architecture we see an opportunity to serve it up as a checkbox yeah Uh, and that's that's pretty much our go-to-market I mean that's that's you know from an enterprise perspective that's what we're building
1: do you guys also um, Displace you know, centralized log repositories, you, your Splunk, or
2: you know what we have, like? uh, we have. Um, it's not something that um, you know. We don't do log management today. Uh, we don't have a vision for you know ingesting you know um, all the security ecosystem logs. Um, you know, again, we we have a different model uh, that's very different from Sim. You know, Sim was quite frankly built. Um, because the enterprise needed to go on a console diet Mm -hmm. right so all those point products had their own dashboard uh and there were too many dashboards uh and you know the idea was well let's just consolidate all the log files and we'll create one dashboard and we'll correlate the data and we'll provide a detection capability quite possibly on top of all of that and so we we looked at that and said well that model's broken because it's only as good as the point products that are feeding it Mm -hmm. and so we looked at it and we said, you know what? Let's again start with the memory of recording everything, good and bad, and then we'll bind context to that network timeline. Let's, you know, we like to say the network doesn't lie. You know, all of your endpoints and assets communicate. Uh, that communication we capture within this memory, and we can grab context from key layers of IT infrastructure, you know, the firewall, the endpoint, the proxy, email in buying that to this network timeline which serves as our true north. Uh, And that is our platform. And that is a different model, it's very different from SEM, uh, but is a model that, um, you know, we think it does represent a new category because it's all delivered as a utility. Yeah. Uh, But it's one that over time can actually lower the cost and complexity of a security architecture, which is something that not a lot of vendors are actually out there promoting today.
1: So generally when you get an opportunity Well, I guess a backup. Are Are you focusing on SMB enterprise? No, enterprise. Yeah, Fortune two thousand. Yeah. So, so generally, does that come through an RFP process then?
2: Depends. Um, You know, we're obviously uh, we are a new category. We're a new way of delivering you know uh, enterprise security um, as a utility, and so um, it's it's largely about. Awareness and building out the direct relationships with um, CSOs and practitioners in these in these organizations. It's also about building a a, a partner program and a channel ecosystem, which we're very channel focused. Um, and so, um, you know, there are RFPs, and and we're starting to see those more and more because some of those legacy technologies that I mentioned are. Yeah. The, the, the refresh decision is is upon a lot of CISOs, and what are they going to do from a, a forensics or from a visibility or even from a detection perspective? And so, we are seeing those RFPs, uh, but I would say it's kind of a healthy mix. You know, uh, we're we're getting pulled into opportunities, uh, and we're out there, you know, um, finding opportunities yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and and making. So, if it's an RFP, it's really one of those legacy products for the, the network recording. Yeah, yeah. And if you go, but if you find make an opportunity, how do you position it? Is it and you're saying, "Hey, we need a new line item," or you're saying, "Hey, let's tear out these other three things that you might have."
2: Yeah, yeah, or either way. I guess. It, it, obviously, this depends on uh, on the opportunity and yeah. and the the enterprise and what they're looking for. Uh, you know, what we don't like to do um, is, you know, from an RFP perspective, you know, go into a, a checkbox war on features sure. because you know we are different and and we're not. We're not trying to be a next better version or cloud version of what we're trying to replace. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. a message we're trying, you know what, because you can't, you know, we are something entirely different. We're entirely different based off of the kind of visibility that we can deliver. We're entirely different based off of, you know, the detection model that we've created, based off of the presentation layer we've created, and based off how we, we deliver this as a service. And so you know, all those things, you know, do represent this kind of new category. And so we're we're not trying to map one for one with the legacy that we're displacing. So part of it is education too. Um, But, you know, certainly, you know, we see, and we're seeing more and more uh, opportunities where um, they have an idea of what they want. You know, they want deep visibility. Uh, They want that visibility to have a very long retention because they know that these attacks develop over long periods of time. Uh, and they they don't want it just to be sitting in the basement for the rainy day to give it to Mandiant after they've been breached. They actually want to use it in their workflow. They want to use it in a detection sense. that's both real time and retrospective, right? right? And so we're seeing those things kind of outlined in the wish lists. And and one of our biggest challenges is just unawareness. I mean, we're new. We're you know we've been on the market for a little over a year and selling the product. And you know we've got we've got to get out there. Um, and, and make sure that this new way of, of delivering you know, enterprise security uh, is understood and it's known. And so that's kind of one of our challenges uh, is, to, is to solve awareness. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I want to go back and pull a different thread now. Sure, yeah. Um, you, you had the idea, you called Gene, yeah. I, can, I can build this. And by the way, Gene is going to be speaking at the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference. Yeah. Everyone uh, come come listen. I don't, Do you remember the talk?
2: I, oh, I don't um, know the talk.
1: No. We'll get that.
2: You know, I, I'm sure it's going to be great because he's a fantastic. Speaker. Yeah.
1: So excited to have Gene there. Um, uh, so you, anyway, you call him, you agree, we're going to build this, talk about yeah. building the company, right? Let's talk about the, sure. the company building aspect.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, so, so, so it was, you know, Gene and I, it's kind of that classic, um, you know, dot com story, uh, um, of the day, two guys in a PowerPoint, you know, heading out to, to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we're a little different in, you know, I, I, like I said, this was my fourth fourth at bat. So, um, it, you know, um, we, we we wanted to, to to raise a seed round that was large enough um, to get us through some R and D. Uh, and at this stage, we hadn't built anything. I mean, literally, we just had kind of an architecture and in mm-hmm. in a, a passion for what we wanted to do and a vision. Um, and we went to Silicon Valley specifically and, and you know, pitched about six VCs. And I would, I would tell you, you know, in about four weeks, four and a half weeks, we had a term sheet from two of them for um, $3 million. And that was a, a, a price round, you know, it was a real, real round. And um, that, that really started this uh, two-year R&D effort uh and And what year was that you got that was 2013 yeah yeah so that was April of 2013 and you know we um started to to uh you know build the business you know our our first kind of office was in Galvanize Mm -hmm. uh it was basically we were just running some desks there and we pulled uh together some some pretty amazing engineers very early on and attracted them with with this vision um and uh you know continue to grow the team and you know you know that phase is just a a really special phase in any startup because you know once you get the funding and it's kind of like okay let's how we going to build this thing for me that's really exciting phase because you spend every moment you know that you're awake thinking about the construction and you know the promotion and you know even things like the logo which you know for us because we're so passionate about wanting to do something that would have a major impact in this market um, meant a lot and we spent you know hours and hours and days and weeks on just like our logo as an example so you can imagine what we spent on the platform itself and the team that we were able to bring together I can honestly tell you you know the engineers the early engineers the best engineers I've ever worked with and we knew that we had some major, major, major hurdles that we had to overcome. And, you know, a a lot of people that we talked to, um, you know, we we talked to a lot of folks about what we wanted to do. They all thought we were crazy. They were like, there's there's no way, it's impossible. You can't record a network and stream it to the cloud. It it just, the, the physics don't work. And, you know, we proved them wrong. I mean, it took a little bit longer than I wanted. It, you know, We thought we could actually build this platform and get it done in a year. It took two years. It,
1: it does seem like the physics shouldn't work. Like,
2: <laughs> it, that's right, it does. I kind of,
1: you know, I don't hold too much against them because yeah. it doesn't seem like it'd be possible. Well,
2: you know, and they, they've said that throughout time um, sure. about a lot of uh, endeavors, right? And, you know, we looked at this as something that, you know, for us, uh, you know, was our moonshot it was you know a real opportunity to to prove a lot of people wrong uh, and to fundamentally change you know how visibility and detection you know operates inside of a security architecture so talk about
1: us I'd like to hear about your first customer how that how do you get a customer
2: first customer uh, our first customer was Netflix okay um, that's, that's and, a common
1: story I think isn't
2: it yeah I mean that's a it, it's a it's a it's a difficult customer to have as your first customer. <laughs> um, you know, we um, got introduced to um, the guys at Netflix um, fairly early on in the design phase of our R&D effort. And we gave them a pitch, you know, similar to you know what I described to you as our, our idea. And they said, we absolutely love this. And obviously they're very cloud friendly. Sure they are. Um, um, and very sophisticated. And they said, you know what? Um, we want to watch you guys. In fact, we want to do more than watch you guys. We want to early access, test you guys, and you know that um, really started a relationship where they, you know, had a front row seat into watching our development effort and to watching us kind of knock down some of these big hurdles uh, around scale and how we're going to ingest all this data and how the sensor would work and you know our presentation layer and our APIs and. You know, that, um, I think, visibility that we gave them and um, kind of just opening everything up very transparently to what we wanted to do got them really excited and, and got them um, to write a check uh, yeah. and, and actually buy our solution. And, and, and that, that was our first customer. Um, and I can, I can tell you that since then, um, you know, we've continued to enjoy a, a great relationship with Netflix as, as one of their vendors. Uh, they have a very sophisticated security um, architecture uh, and we're a big part of that yeah
1: yeah and they, they speak highly of you guys so it's that's, that's pretty good um, do you have any ex- I, I love I always love to get the good and the bad right so some, ex- yeah. some examples of um, projects you've done that have gone really well and you like to brag about and maybe a, a project that that you didn't didn't go so well and you've learned some lessons from
2: yeah, I guess when you say project, you're talking about ventures, or you're talking uh, anything about anything you've you, done here, really. Yeah, here at Protectwise, yeah, uh, whatever. I'll, I'll let you open it up. You know, I, listen, I, I've been pretty lucky, I guess, in my career in uh, being able to to identify gaps in the market, convergence of technologies, and just having the luck and right market timing. And so I, I've had some great successes. I mean, obviously, you, you can't win them all. Um, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll say that you know when we started uh, with with Protectwise, we did have kind of this um, this vision of a mid-market approach. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't quite sure that um, the enterprise was ready for our kind of product uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the cloud um, there was still some you know, bad religion to the cloud three sure. years ago uh, that largely has diminished. Uh, you know, so we tried a, a mid-market approach. Um, in, in I think part of it was you know we didn't succeed. You know, part of it was just kind of the timing of where we were at in the in our go to market and how we messaged the product and you know how we were positioning. Um, and then also, you know, the sophistication of um, you know a, a mid market SMB is, is just you know it's not there. I mean it's right. it's, it's it's largely a, a managed service approach, yeah. right? Um, and, and, and I so, was,
1: was going to actually ask that yeah. as a separate question, but I think it ties into what you just said. In, if, from, what, from what you're saying, it sounds like in order for a company to be a, a good fit for you guys, they probably have to have some some basics in place and be a, a relatively mature organization. You
2: some know, way? Well, I, I think that's right. I, I think you'll find the market that we're going after, the Fortune 2000, largely fits that um, on a number of dimensions. Um, however, I will say um, what we get high marks in and which is just a natural benefit of our form factor, uh, is ease of use. Um, and so, and that's also a, a key element to our vision and mission, which is to you know, leverage that instant-on, low-friction deployment capability that our platform provides uh, with an opportunity to leverage a very sophisticated yet easily digestible user experience to you know, speak to the less sophisticated um, analyst or you know um, security team, and so um, we do a lot of the heavy lifting, removing a lot of the manual yeah. you know work, so to speak, uh, and so um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, that those are key elements that you know apply to a varying degree of sophistication in the Fortune 2000.
1: So you've alluded a little bit to the presentation layer in there about how it's displayed. And I'll just, you know, come out and say you guys are well known for having just a beautiful user interface. Yeah. And uh, and that being, you know, not the key differentiator, but certainly a, a yeah. big draw. And I think if a security leader wants to give their, their sock something that they're going to want to use, this is a good example of that, right? Yeah,
2: it means a lot to us. And I, um, you know, it, for us, it's... Um, we saw an opportunity to evolve the presentation layer of security, mainly because it's just been an afterthought for so long. Um, you know, the dashboards that you get off of a SIM, we thought were, were a joke. Um, the status quo of most security products is either Bootstrap or something that smells like Bootstrap, you know, from a UI perspective. Well, I, I
1: think the, the intention is, Hey, we need to make the user experience nice for our users, but security—we can just suck it up and we'll just get the data. Give them, give me the data. Yeah, and you we, guys have really no. We we we
2: think that. the data is beautiful, but we also think that you know you, the, the the presentation layer can be beautiful, yeah. but not just beauty. We didn't want to. We didn't want to be a, a, a bombshell, and that's what's interesting. When most people find out about you know Protectwise and they see our UI, you know, part of our challenge really is 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 showing them the inside of what we do. Because we've built our platform like a carrier would build, a petabit, you know, stream-based processing engine for all this massively scaled data ingestion and indexing and 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 in in all the value that comes out of that and and that's you know so we have this amazing UI and presentation layer which is designed to ultimately extend the human resource pool right so uh, part of our vision is we fundamentally want to change how humans interact with security and you know, when you look at, you know, the evolution of the presentation layer, you know, it really started with log files, which is still kind of the status quo today. Uh, Then we hit the dashboard, which, you know, um, every SIM, you know, has pie charts and line bar graphs. Uh, And now we're kind of at the era of search, right? And, you know, the ability to search all that data, those log files. Well, we said, well, there's gotta be another rung in the evolution, you know, let's, let's think about one, creating something that's beautiful and functional that's not Bootstrap. That you know provides great efficiencies for searching and forensic exploration of all this data. Uh, and two, let's come up with a vision that ultimately could immerse you know a new audience, a new analyst, um, into um, all of this data, yeah. so they can actually look at the data from a different perspective. And that's really our vision. And and, and when it comes down to what is Protectwise you know, um, long-term play and vision here, it's twofold. It's, we believe in the platform and the ingestion and processing of all this data uh, as a utility model, and being able to absorb all that point product fragmentation like security analytics and intrusion detection. Uh, but also, on the other side, it's the presentation layer and being able to extend the human resource pool to the next generation of analyst and, and security practitioner.
1: And it, it does seem like your your presentation layer um, makes your platform an attractive place to move other things that you're not currently doing. And We'll leave it at that for, for now. I want to <laughs> take a, a, a little bit of a, a turn here, though, and really talk more about you. We talked a lot sure. about ProtectWise. Yeah. Know, how did you get to Colorado? How did you get into security? Why don't you tell the story?
2: Yeah, so I've been in security uh, for a long time. Like I said, I go back to the 90s. So my first, um, the first thing I did in security was I created a mailing list. It was called Hmm. BugTrack. I did that. And uh, it was uh, something that grew pretty quickly. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was a concept around being able to identify vulnerabilities in software on the internet. Uh, Obviously, we've heard the term zero day. Uh, well, Bugtrack was the alerting service for zero days, and um, it grew pretty quickly to about thirty thousand um, security practic- practitioners, which back in nineteen ninety was it's all of them, yeah. all of them uh, <laughs> around the world. And uh, you know that uh, you know was a, a, a an interesting experience. Um, you know, I was doing some consulting work as well in, in doing that in, in in Texas, in Houston, and. Uh, um, I actually um, uh, got a call from a long distance company in Colorado Springs that was being hacked at the time and uh, they wanted me to come out and consult and um, and clean up and so I did and that introduced me to Colorado and um, I actually met um, John Street who was the CEO of that long distance company, it was called Telephone Express and uh, John and I collaborated and um you know he convinced me to, to move to Colorado and uh, together we, we worked uh, on a number of projects for about 15 years. So Bugtrack Track uh, morphed into security focus um, after I moved to Colorado and then that was acquired by Symantec. Um, and then in 1994 um, I co-founded USA.net with John uh, Street in Colorado Springs and that was another dream, that was another crazy idea. I had this idea of um, uh, well, it's called web-based email. You've probably used it. Have um, heard of such a thing? Yeah. So I, I had this idea of taking a, a, a POP email server and building an interface for it with the Mosaic web browser. Sure. Uh, which year, at,
1: what year are we talking about right now? 94. Okay, that's early. Uh,
2: which at the time hadn't been done before, um, the end of 94. And so in in 95, uh, you know, we started actively building it um, and, and John funded it. and. Uh, you know, that was a, an interesting opportunity because that was the, the dot-com era. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we were, interesting story there. We, um, we were a year, we launched our product a year before Hotmail came out. Mm-hmm. And um, we um, had a different business model. Our business model was we were charging $36 a year for this lifetime email address and access to this web-based right. email. And obviously when Hotmail launched in um, July of ninety six. Um, their model was offering the same product, but for free, right. and that was the birth of the advertising internet and you know eyeballs. And um, I remember it was a, there was a small trade show um, in San Francisco. It wasn't even an internet trade show; it was just a business expo. And we were there, and we had you know um, you know a, a thirty by thirty booth with sales guys and giveaways and all kinds of things. And um, you know we're selling this thirty six dollar a year lifetime email address web based email product and across the way there were two guys at a cardboard table you know uh card table rather uh with two pcs and they had lines of people lined up and they signed it was up and get their email? yeah it was sabir Batier and jack rex and it was the first day of launching hotmail and i went over there and i looked and it was the exact same product you know left hand navigation frame right hand body with all your emails and Um, It took us about a year, but we retooled our product and offered it for free. And um, we became the third largest email infrastructure on the planet behind Hotmail and Rocketmail. Mm -hmm. The story there is, um, you know, Hotmail was acquired by Microsoft, Rocketmail became um, Yahoo, was acquired by Yahoo. And, uh, you know, we we raised over a hundred million dollars in venture, uh, filed our S1 to go public at the end of 99, which was not great Mm -hmm. timing. Um, and the, the crash happened and, uh, and uh, we uh, ended up doing a, um, a private placement with J.P. Morgan uh, and uh, took about 60 million from them and uh, the business kind of grew into hosted exchange from then on out. We, we yeah. also had a very large relationship with Netscape, they're, a lar- they're an investor in the company and yeah. they had about 30 plus million on our platform and uh, that was all here in Colorado. Yeah. Uh that that company uh sold to ePerimeter security, uh which is now BAE systems. Yeah. No and um yeah, that was a seven year venture. Uh learned a lot. And and, and that, that was you know, that exposure to, to email is what, you know, led me to start MX Logic in two thousand two.
1: so once why don't you tell the story of you know, what was the idea for MX Logic that
2: yeah. So, well, uh, you know, the idea there, there was was quite simple. We were spending at USA.net about a million dollars a month on EMC storage gear mm-hmm. um, because what I was able to see from ninety ninety five to ninety nine, really to two thousand one, was the um, the pollution of the SMTP channel uh, of email, yeah. and it was all spam. And the spam wave was coming really quickly. And I didn't see a clean way to kind of filter out all of that. Um, and so we said, well, you know, if we could you know, harness the power of DNS, we can basically redirect a domain's MX record, their mail exchange record, uh, to a service model, a proxy model that we create, and we could do all of the filtering and manage all of the filters for them. And so they could very easily make a very simple change to their domain name have the email come to us. We would filter out all the bad stuff and then forward all the good stuff to them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they wouldn't have to have any infrastructure on premise. And so that was the premise, uh, was all about delivering email security as a utility model. You know, Back then, we called it a managed service. You know, mm-hmm. That was before the cloud became the cloud. And that was another seven-year venture. And we, we did focus on the mid-market with that venture. And we grew it to about uh, 45,000 business customers. And we were acquired by McAfee.
1: Is, I assume competing directly with like Postini. The Postini
2: and market. Message Labs. That's right. Yeah. So we, we went after mid market. Postini and Message Labs both did large enterprise. Okay. Uh, and so um, yeah, uh, we kind of started by going mid market, and we started going up. They started mm-hmm. enterprise and started coming down. And so the story there, you know, market consolidation happened, and you know Message Labs was bought by Symantec, and Postini by Google, and, yeah. and Logic by McAfee.
1: So why Colorado? You know, obviously you, you moved here, you said, um, yeah. when you had the opportunity down in the springs. Yeah. Did you move to the springs? Did you move to Denver? Moved
2: to the springs, started USA.net in the springs, then moved that to Denver um, in um, uh, in 99, uh, at the end of 99. Um, you know, why Colorado? Uh, this is a great place to live. Mm-hmm. I, you know, um, it, it, there's been challenges in, in doing startups here. Um you know, the um, um, the reality is that, you know, you, you know, in the Bay, you know, you've got access to a ton of talent yeah. uh, and a ton of, of venture capital um, here. Not so much. It's changing. It's changing. Um, you know, 15 years ago, um, you know, I, I wouldn't think that, you know, here we are protect wise. You know, we've raised 67 million in capital, all of it from outside of Colorado. Uh, You know, that just wasn't the case. You know, it it was hard to pull in, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, VC uh, into the state back then. Uh, A lot of that's changed, but, you know, Colorado is the quality of life, obviously, and, um, you know, the, um, I think that the the opportunity to seed something here, uh, initially, um, you want to kind of leverage that into the next deal. And, you know, when when you start to, when you have success in building a team, um, it was just really a family. I mean, you spend, you know, and, and again, we've done it uh, multiple times now. You, you kind of want to take that energy and that community and leverage it into the next one if you can. Uh, so we did a lot of that, um, you know, along the way um, with MX Logic and, and ProtectWise here. And so um, that's why, I mean, we have roots here. Right, so
1: so interesting comments about the, you know, the talent pool. What, what kind of talent Are you looking for when you say you know to to start up a new company here what what is it you need
2: well the first thing you need is engineers right Mm -hmm. Um, and you know the 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 amazing thing about Denver these days is you have um, really experienced um, engineers software engineers Um, you know they they've either migrated from the Bay Area um, uh, or the East Coast or places like Austin um, second tier markets, you know, and they've moved here, you know, because they're a little bit more mature, they have families. Colorado is a great place to raise kids, right? The quality of life. Uh, And so you have access to that. Um, And so the first thing, you you know, I do, um, obviously, is, you know, I look for what's the core engineering team. You know, you got to have a team of six guys or gals that, you know, that not only get the vision, but are willing to commit, you know the next five years of their life to right. building it and that's your core team and it you know obviously grows over time but you know, the first thing you look for is is engineering and you know that's that's the first phase uh, is you, you have your concept you, you, you build out your prototype and then, and then you got to whiteboard it all out and figure out what's the production you know version of that and um, so that's the first thing I look for yeah engineers so
1: you know I, I uh, we're we about forty five minutes right here, so I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts for for those listening, those who are who are working on you know either running a security program or looking for let's start there. Folks who are running a security program, what kind of advice? Obviously, you've been around for a while doing security. Mm-hmm. You've seen what we do well, what we don't do well as a mm-hmm. general
2: industry. What's yeah. your advice for security leaders? Advice for security leaders, I, you know, don't listen to the noise. I, you know, there is so much noise. It's really you know we're protect, and, and that's actually you know going back to protectwise a little bit. You know we've we focused our marketing to be very different. We don't want to be, you know, uh, a part of that noise. You know we believe in our product so much that you know we we, we, we our sales presentations don't have any slides. It's just we're going to show you the product, right? Because that's essentially what you're buying from us is, is our platform. So don't don't fall into the noise. And I know a lot of them are. Um, are inundated with the noise and and i think that leads to the next thing which is don't be discouraged
1: yeah.
2: you know because there are teams out there like what we have here at protectwise that believe in a way forward that are passionate about that i mean that that aren't you know here to flip the company to Symantec or to you know um you know the next big you know we, we actually believe that that not saying that can never happen but we don't we believe in this i mean we believe you know, that there's a huge opportunity to, to disrupt. In fact, you know, we talked about, you know, the, at one point we wanted to have a sign in here that said, you know, this is not a job, this is the future. And, you know, I would say that that goes the same for any security leader. You've got to believe that, you know, there's a way forward here. Uh, it's not, you know, all vendor craziness and marketing hollowness. Um, there's real tech that's being developed that solves real problems that um you've got to learn to to listen for and to look for and yeah. it's 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 hard because there's so much noise there's so much noise but there is signal in there yeah. and i would just say you know lean forward a little bit and don't get disturb don't get discouraged
1: and then my last question for you um for those who are looking to get involved in security start a career there do you have any advice for what's the right what's the right thing to go learn what's the right thing to get started with?
2: You know, that's an interesting one because I'm on the side of, you know, wanting to change the skill set. You know, I don't, you know, somebody might say a common answer would be, oh, go learn Python or, you know, understand, you know, the shell, you know, play around with your terminal window on your Mac. You know, you know, for me, it's, you know, I guess my advice would be there's so much to learn on the internet, you know, understand the base layer of skills that, that are needed. Uh, I think to be a, an amazing security engineer t- with today's tool sets, um, you do have to know Python, you have to know, you know, Unix, Linux, I'm sorry. Uh, you have to know, um, you know, networking. Um, y- and you have to be passionate about it, right? I mean, you gotta have passion for it. Um, it's not something that, you know, you gotta have you gotta have a, a, a curiosity, a, a deser- yeah, desire to explore, right? And and so, you know, that's an interesting thing is the network and all the assets that we're trying to protect and the information that's on it, whether it's you know on the network or in the cloud or whatever. I mean, it it, it it's fascinating, you know, because of the dimensions of scale of all of this, to be able to try to create a, a security fabric around that. Um, is an amazing challenge, but it's also an amazing thing to explore and yeah. to think about. And so, if you have that, and you have that desire to, to want to explore and, and and be a puzzle solver and and figure out how to put things together and and, and you know look for, you know, um, I just say you know start with you know the open source community. Start with um, understanding the the industry and in all the different layers, right? Because at some point you gotta you gotta figure out what you want to do in security. It's not just, you know, I, I want to get into cyber. It's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be an analyst? Do you want to, you know, sell security? Do you want to market security? Do you do you want to be an architect? Do you want to, you know, work for, you know, a vendor or protect wise, right? Yeah. I mean, do you want to write code? I mean, what do you want to do? So I'd say figure that out and then, you know, go from there. But I think passion, you got to have passion. You got to dive in and make sure that you have it and you can find it.
1: That sounds right. And there is. A, a, a huge menu of options for, for careers there, but yeah. the curiosity and the technical aptitude to do whatever it is is, yep. is going to be there. Uh, well, I want to just say thanks for, you know, setting aside your time to do this and letting sure. the community in the area know more about you guys. We're going to keep an eye on you as you guys grow. Please. We'll, we'll, keep, on, we'll keep talking about what you're doing. If you have any uh, especially interesting job postings, send me a note and we'll get them we will. included in the podcast. And we'll hopefully we'll talk to you again maybe, maybe a year from now. We'll come yeah. and revisit with you.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. All right, Scott. Thanks.